0: Here we are here we are here some I don't have a good song on. I don't even have a song on. The candle is lit. My cup of water is full, and that means it is time to pod. So, welcome back everyone to the Bittersweet Taste Podcast, and more specifically, welcome back to another episode of Topical Thursdays. For today's episode, I wanted to talk about Tyler the Creator's artistic profession by looking at the difference between his albums from, you know, between 2011 and 2019. I actually got this topic, you guys vote on this topic, or some of you guys vote on this topic on my Twitter, last week, uh, to be last week's Topical Thursday, but I ended up going with the Art vs. Artist one, which came in second, but I already had that one written, so today we were getting the Tyler one for today, I will only be sticking to his studio releases, so that means I'm not going to be talking about Bastard, which is his mixtape, which came, I believe, in 2007 before um, Goblin. I won't be talking about that just because I kind of want to just kind of hold myself back when I'm talking about Tyler, because there's a good bit to talk about with his albums compared to one another, and I just kind of want to be more concise with it. So, also, I'm not too familiar with Bastard as a mixtape. So just kind of want to leave that because I didn't want to listen to it for the first time today or yesterday and just kind of think of something on the spot for it. Also, I'll be focusing mainly about his music or mainly on his music. So I'll be leaving out like his fashion ventures as well as his multimedia ventures, including the TV shows and all the other stuff that he's done. So again, music podcast for now. So (laughs) just be talking about the music. Maybe if I switch up to fashion at some point, then I'll come back to uh his gulf of floor line but you know i'll say that for a different time for anyone who isn't familiar with tyler the creator he's made a pretty big pretty big he's made a very big name for himself in the rap scene as a true artist in my opinion being a major part of every aspect of his music the production the writing the performance the visuals the promotion etc he's he has his (laughs) he has his input all over every single piece of music that he makes, which I think is really awesome, and not a lot of people, not a lot of artists do something like that, so, you know, I can only think of a few off the top of my head that are very few, that are in every specific part of, you know, every single aspect that goes into their music as much as Tyler is. I would consider him to have, I would consider him to have one of the most interesting catalogs of music and rap, and across all genres of music in general, the only other person I could think of that kind of has a similar uh, kind of interesting way that they approach their catalog from the time they start to now would be like Taylor Swift. I would even put Future in there. Uh, I mean, you could put Kanye in there, but, you know, it's kind of inversely, (laughs) kind of, you know, the opposite of, in terms of quality progression, you could argue. But yeah, you know, and his, his artistic art, to me, is insanely incredible, especially if you look at where he is now compared to where he started. So I'm going to start off in 2007 very quickly just to mention that Tyler, at this, at this point, was one of the founding members of what they would call an alt-rap collective called Odd Future, which contained a ton of artists, each one having their own styles and talents. And at its peak, which was probably around 2013, I believe, maybe around 2013, 2015, at their peak, it contained a lot of members. Some of the most notable ones being Frank Ocean, uh, Earl Sweatshirt, and then like Genesis. There are a whole bunch of them. I can't name a whole. I can't name all of them off the top of my head, and I didn't feel like typing them all in because, oh, for the most part, none of them have really had the, I guess, cultural impact <laughs> that Frank Ocean and Tyler the Creative had. But you know, teach his own. Here at this point, Tyler was. V- was already very involved in the creation of all of the collective's joint projects. Eventually, releasing his own solo mixtape on Christmas 2009 called "Bastard." And again, I don't want to spend too much time on this area of towers on this era of towers music on this specific podcast because I feel like a lot of his efforts at this point were put towards Odd Future's group efforts. And while that's obviously very admirable and definitely paid off for him in, in the end, I don't think it's worth talking about. When I'm as I'm just talking about his solo projects, so we're skipping ahead to 2011, where in May Tyler released the Goblin, his first his debut studio album. At the time of release, Tyler was writing a pretty good amount of hype. The, the hype where the hype was coming from could be up for debate. I would kind of call it underground hype, but it's still got a lot of hype regardless. And um, excuse me. And he was writing a good amount of hype. After the release of his bastard mixtape, which was pretty well received by anyone who's listen- anyone who heard it at the time, and his single "Yonkers," which earned him, which actually I didn't know, which earned him the best new artist award at the 2011 MTV Music Awards, and that alone gave him a crap ton of visibility. I mean, just even being nominated for something like that. I mean, now the MTV Music Awards aren't anything too special, but at this point, early 2010s, late 2000s, when you know music award shows have had a little bit more credibility than they do now this was a good amount of visibility for him And it was great that he released goblin off of his debut album off of this hype so going into goblin oh also before i get into this album i will say that as i talk about these albums i'm not going to go super 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 in depth with you know each song on the album because or really in depth at all into each song on the album because I would be here for hours and hours and hours because you know his all of his albums are so different from one another for the most part so I could spend you know I could spend so much time talking about the intricate little details of every album but I'm not going to do that what I'll do is for each album I'll just kind of talk about the central themes or just the central style or the sounds that are found in each album just to kind of paint a picture that um, of this arc of this artistic arc that I'm trying to kind of explain so again if I don't if you want more explanation onto each one of Tyler's albums individually I would recommend well first of all listening to them <laughs> and b um I just requesting like let me know if you want a specific analysis on uh, uh, or like a more in-depth analysis on one specific album I can do that for I can do that for really I can easily do that for his later works because I'm more familiar with them but I'd be happy to do that for any work for any of his other albums but, you know, just for the sake of this, uh, today's podcast, just going to be talking relatively surface level for all of his albums. So let's get into it. Starting with, again, his debut album in 2011 called Goblin. I think it's worth noting that I only became a fan of Tyler's after the release of his third album, which was Cherry Bomb in 2015. And I say after release of his third album, because, or I should be more specific, because I didn't actually really like Cherry Bomb that much when it first came out. In fact, I gave it a few listens to try it out, and I didn't actually really connect with it that much at all. So I kind of left it behind. (laughs) I don't even think I have in my music catalog any songs, or before before I did this analysis, let me say, I don't think I had any songs saved from any of his albums other than Goblin. Other than Goblin. I only have two songs saved from Goblin. From Goblin to Goblin wolf and then cherry bomb i only had two songs (laughs) saved from all three of those albums before doing re-listening to them now for this analysis and those two songs I'll talk about later but you know it's 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 worth i want to say this because i'll kind of be analyzing his first three albums with a little bit of hindsight in other words like i've experienced the bulk of his material somewhat recently after listening to flowerboy Boy and, e- and Igor, Flowerboy was the first album that I listened of his that I listened to very in depth. So not not nearly as much as first three albums. So kind of this is me analyzing these albums almost with fresh ears in 2020. You know, what I mean, it might have had a different opinion if I heard them when I released back then. But for now, this is my current <laughs> analysis and opinions on them. So, yeah so my opinion might be slightly skewed just because again i listened to i listened to flower boy and igor realistically before i listened to his first three albums if you want to think of it like that which if you are familiar with his his albums they're completely different (laughs) in every aspect so again i will favor the sounds of flower boy and igor more but i'll get into that but yeah looking back at this album it was really 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 interesting as it is again drastically different from his more recent projects. I, I was familiar with his earlier albums but I never really like took the time to listen to them you know in depth but it is craziness how, how different especially now with Igor out Igor coming out last year only last year. it's insane the difference between Goblin and Igor <laughs> sonically and just in every aspect for the most part. Off rip, this album is so damn dark in (laughs) insanely dark in the style of it in the sounds of it in the lyrics even like the prettiest even like the 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 pretty chords that he tends to tyler loves to use are very rare and even if they're on here they're just hidden behind just layers and layers and layers of eerie synths and hard drums and just like this really dark grimy gross sounds almost like horror in its essence if you will and this album is just downright aggressive. <laughs> I Like, as I'm listening to this album, it's it's a hard... To me, personally, it's very hard to listen to this album in one go. Just because, A, it's so long. I think it's like 100... 100? I think it's like an hour and 15 minutes long. Something like that. The deluxe the version I'm referring to. Yeah, it's 18 songs. Oh, yeah. So it's 18 songs long and 22 minutes. Or one... Jesus. 18 songs long, one hour and 22 minutes in... Duration it's long, and it's not even like again. There are only eighteen songs in there. Some of the some of the songs are just long as hell, too. I mean, the the intro Goblin is damn near seven minutes. The third song, Radicals, is seven minutes. Like some of the songs here are are long listens, and if you're not a big fan of the sound, it's a very difficult listen to go through in one go. But you know, I did it for the sake of the analysis, so I did. And as I was listening to it, you know, I just got the feeling that homie was just like, I don't know, rapping at me like I forgot to take out, take the chicken out of the freezer. <laughs> like she, like he's my mom taking, uh, yelling at me because I forgot to take it, take the chicken out of the freezer for the third time this week or something like that. It's insanely aggressive. He's rapping at me or at the listener like he wants to hurt you <laughs> or like he wants to hurt someone and that you should be scared even though he might not be talking about you specifically he also doesn't shy away from being controversial on this album at all, I mean, it's 2011, it's not like, it was, it was only nine years ago, but, like, woo, he does not, I mean, some of you guys might already know the lore of, of, a <laughs> tie the creator, but, I mean, this album has some crazy shit on it, like, talking, talking about killing celebrities, using homophobic slurs, which is a, which is a big thing for him to do, raping women, etc, it's, there's some crazy shit on here, it's worth, it is worth noting that if you're not if you're not in the know of Tyler Cradle lore, it's worth knowing that these controversial topics would actually get Tyler banned from the UK in 2015, <laughs> because the prime minister or the the head of the I guess whatever department is in charge of banning people, I guess, <laughs> or has the power to ban individuals, they didn't think that that his music, uh, I guess replicated the the values of the uk so he was a straight-up band for like three or f- i think the band when he, he did an interview i think he said that the band was for like three to five years he did end up getting unbanned but that was after he drastically changed through the kind of music he was making but again we'll get into that while some of the things he said then are obviously well said then are obviously in bad taste and now listening to it in 2020 they were they were in pretty bad taste then <laughs> and even with that I can see that their use really as as shock value really paid off in terms of his visibility and ultimately it didn't really hurt him that much in the end or in the long term at all I mean obviously his he definitely kind of shook some people the the wrong way um uh, me me to an agree me too especially in the sound kind of kind of me the wrong way shook me the wrong way god it <laughs> kind of rubbed me the wrong way and I was kind of not scared to listen to his music ever again, but it was kind of like, well, uh, it's kind of, it's very, you know, on the other side of the spectrum for the music I, I like to listen to. Because at that time, you know, I was listening to whatever, you know, pop music or something or another that is definitely not this. But again, in in, in he's done interviews, especially after this album, and I think around like 2013, 2015, even 2017, I think, around when Flower Boy came out he was doing interviews and in, in, where people were asking him about like why he wanted to use like all this controversial stuff in his music and you know he even admitted that it was all for shock value which i mean you know it's it's one thing to it's it's a it's kind of tricky cuz it's like all right he, he if he's if he's articulating that he doesn't abs- that he doesn't actually want to go ahead and do these things or think these things about these people then i guess it's not that bad I mean like you know it worked like I don't even know how to you know you could say what you will but it definitely worked he had he got like such a insanely insanely dedicated fan base based off of this music alone and you know in a way that carried him through the very start of his career obviously Igor and Flower Boyer and even Cherry Bomb to an extent are way more mainstream in terms of sound but before he was hitting that mainstream sound his core fan base definitely kept him going which is awesome So, you know, he said some bad shit, but (laughs) most of it was kind of funny. (laughs) Uh, So I'll let it slide. I mean, like, (laughs) yeah. That being said, the writing throughout this album is great. Absolutely great. Clever bars, good rhyme schemes, gripping delivery. It's a really good album. I mean, in, in me listening to it now and having, in my opinion, a greater appreciation for music and what makes music good. I think this is a pretty it's a pretty damn good album, all all things considered. <laughs> there are there are also and a lot of this I actually the hindsight or me listening or me liking the sounds of Flower Boy and Igor more, I think that even helped me like this album more and listening to it now because there are some hints of this of like the beautiful sounds and the melodies that would dominate his more recent work. Which I liked hearing a lot in these music. I mean, like you can hear it's cool. It's cool to like. I'm kind of well, not me personally, but like people like me are who listen to his, Tyler's latest works, bef- quote unquote, before his older works are kind of in in a unique position where they get to see the end. They get to see the finish line, kind of before they see you know the start the start gun, and they get to see, they don't you know it's cool. It's cool. I can definitely hear parts of Flower Boy in got one, which I love hearing, on a more, on a more personal note, excuse me, the two songs that I have, that I've had saved on my phone for, for so, for super, super, super long, and I actually kind of forgot about for a time, are Yonkers and She, and they are two of my favorite songs ever, for very, two very different reasons, Yonkers is a perfect example of how interesting and fun rap could be, and like, be to perform, and be to write, and also just how fun it could be to listen to, and just, you know, it's entertainment. At the end of the day, it's entertainment. And this is the definition of an entertaining song. And also, this genre, the genre of rap or hip hop, whatever you want to categorize this as, it doesn't always have to take itself so seriously. I mean, the song is insanely simple, has a cynical instrumental, hilarious tongue in cheek punchlines, fantastic wordplay, and of course, the controversial lyrics are there. It's great. It's like, you know, it's everything you could want in a new, in a. In an edgy rap song. It's everything you could ever want. And I love it for that. She, on the other hand, has a wonderful... I like for a completely different reason. It's way prettier of a song. Way more tame of a song. Which is why I actually liked... I saved She, Amelia, on the first time I listened to this album. And then I didn't get back to Yonkers years later. Until years later. But, I mean, She was way more of a tame song. So it was a lot better... It was a lot easier for me to get into it. But... You know the song features this wonderful back and forth between Tyler's dark, dark voice, <laughs> rapping about stalking this girl, and Frank Ocean on the other hand, beautifully singing about. Uh, I mean, well, he's also singing about stalking this girl, but he says it in the way less menacing tone, so it's it sounds sweeter in a way, I guess. But <laughs> the instrumental on "She" is also one of my favorite instrumentals in music. Period. For and it's not even. And the funny thing is, it's not even super complicated or hard-hitting like a lot of the instrumentals are now, especially in his own more recent work, but I just love how every individual part of the song, or of the instrumental, works so well with the other parts of the instrumental, and how both Tyler and Frank's deliveries are very heavily pronounced by it. I think it's a good... I mean, there are other really good examples of how you know refined Tyler's production is, or will be on this album a Tron cat is a good example of that uh Transylvania a little bit and then uh, Radicals I think it's Radicals is the one I'm remembering and then I don't know there are a bunch I, I again I didn't want to do like a song by song on this I just kind of wanted to bring up the highlights but you know there are parts in this album where I can you know his his prowess as a you know as a producer are shining through and I think she is a good example of that so leaving Goblin and moving on to 2013 with the album Wolf, in a lot of ways, Wolf strikes me as a more refined version of Goblin, and and it's also a very obvious, oh my gosh, there it is, a very obvious step towards his current sound. And by, it's not the biggest step, but again, I think it's, I mean, the biggest step is definitely between Cherry Bomb and Flower Boy, but I think this is the most obvious step where he's really kind of starting, especially, again, in hindsight, I can definitely see (laughs) the stepping stone, I can definitely see the journey started from Goblin to Wolf to eventually Igor, but it's definitely there. Wolf maintains a lot of the elements that made Goblin so popular, or at least the elements I think made Goblin so popular, while improving on a lot of things. The instrumentals keep their heavy synths and sharp beats But they definitely sound cleaner, like a lot cleaner and way more deliberate. They're not just, I mean, not that Goblin was rough, really, but anytime it was was rough, it was kind of done so on purpose. But it's this, you know, a similar song on Wolf just sounds way more refined, honestly. The controversial lyrics and content is still kind of sprinkled throughout the album, but way more sparingly. (laughs) This album is still kind of dark, but. It's not, not nearly as dark as Goblin is, and, you know, it's, because Goblin's, Goblin's is, you know, pitch black, if you want to put it on a scale, Goblin's pitch black, this one's like a, a nice deep gray, like a nice light asphalt, if you, (laughs) if you will. Songs are way more melodic, and what I, I call the pretty parts, (laughs) the prettier parts of the instrumentals are way more prominent. For example, on songs like Wolf, Answer, and Treehome 95. And again, relating back to Goblin, where the the quote-unquote pretty parts of the instrumentals are really just bogged down under just, like I said, layers of this dark, eerie sound. On here, he lets them play out more. And again, in hindsight, you can, you know, eventually, and I'll talk about this more as we go on, but those pretty instrumentals will eventually become the predominant sound in his music. So, you know, step forward. This is a nice thing to hear to me. The quote, what I would call quote unquote joke songs or songs that aren't meant to be taken seriously, but are more, I guess you can call them entertainment songs, if you will, where, you know, it's just like the punchlines are jokes, like things like that. Like it's meant to be more fun and light, not, not even lighthearted, but (laughs) it doesn't take itself too seriously. Those joke songs are still here in the form of songs like Colossus, Pigs and Tamale by the way tamale's amazing <laughs> Tamale's a fantastic song I don't it sounds like super fun it the 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 um the sample or the loop that he used and it is it it makes such a w- weird environment for the song to exist in but it's it's beautiful <laughs> it's beautiful in a different way but compare again compared to goblin these joke songs are somewhat less offensive for the most part and on this album, his rapping is a lot is a good bit cleaner too. Songs like Jamba, Domo Twenty, excuse me, Domo Twenty Three, Pigs, Parking Lot, and Rusty, to me, are all really great displays of his cell rapping ability. And again, that's one of the one of the things, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this analysis on him. is because he's so multifaceted as an artist that you can really look at so many different parts of his music, and you know, analyze them and, like, talk about them and compare them, and it's fun, you know, and, you know, in rapping as well, he's an insanely good rapper, he's an insanely good producer, he's an insanely good just artist in general, and, you know, while the, the rapping on Goblin was not bad whatsoever, in fact, it was very good, I just, again, think it was way more refined on this album. The posse cut Trash Wang also does a good job of showing off some of the members of Odd Future, which is nice. Outside of Odd Future, there were some big names on this art. On excuse me, outside of Odd Future, there were some pretty big name artists featured on this album as well, which is cool to see. Especially you know, it the the two, um, out of quote unquote out of Odd Future features were Pharrell and Eric Badu, Both of which are massive names for you know for their, on their in their own right, but you know for for a sophomore album. To kind of get these features, and you know, especially coming off an album so controversial as Goblin and so dark as Goblin, you know, it's it's it says a lot about the quality of the of the music, and it says a lot about how other artists view the music. Because you know, an an artist, I would like to believe that any artist, especially an artist with the pedigree of Pharrell and Erykah Badu, would not jump on a song, would not support a work of music that is not of the quality is not of high quality you know what i mean and it's actually very funny that these two are his first uh, again uh, his first features that are not part of odd future because pharrell is one of the best producers of all time so it only makes sense that if tyler is going to keep focusing on on production and his excuse me and his skills in production it only makes sense for Hat to have pharrell be around him in some in some way you know so it's cool to have him on a song, and in terms of Eric Badu one of the greatest singers ever again he the the you know it shows like he wants at some point to get more into the melodies, which wolf has a good bit more <laughs> of the melodies compared to goblin, so it's nice that you know you get Eric Badu in there to like show off you know th- that's they're like they're like his guinea pigs to see how his ambitions in these specific facets of music could actually you know, could actually support him and how he can improve on them with later projects. So that was also very interesting to see those specific two artists I also want to focus on the fact that Tyler produced the entirety of this album which is important considering how how heavy of a focus he puts on instrumentals moving forward you know, being able to executive produce your own rap album or your own album in general is commendable at the absolute least i mean you know it's like i'll I'll compare it to apple if you guys will uh if you guys will you know let me let me talk about apple very quickly here but it's kind of like apple where apple gets you know their products to me are super you know have such high quality and in a lot of ways are the flagship products in their line or in their category it's because they make everything in-house. Every single part of their product is made by Apple. You know what I mean? So it ends up being so much better. ends up being so much more seamless. Ends up being more, you know, technically advanced. And in the same way, Tyler being able to... Having such such huge talents as a producer... And being able to executive produce his own album. And also being able to do insanely well at other parts of it. You know, rapping, writing it's great, it, it leads, to, it lends to a better project overall, and moving forward from there, all of his projects, he has the majority, if not all of the, <laughs> he has the majority of the production credits on all the songs, I think, I think, you know, I would, I'm the, I didn't do the math on it, but I would venture to say, from what I've seen, maybe like 80 to 85 to 90 percent of all the songs that he's put on his albums, he's produced in some way or another, which is, you know, awesome, <laughs> absolutely awesome, yeah, and that's Wolf. So, moving on from Wolf and into 2015, we get Cherry Bomb. So, Cherry Bomb as far as I know is probably one of the most one of the m- is the most hated <laughs> most hated um, Tyler the Creator album in his catalog, and if you've listened to it, you know why <laughs> it's a mess. It's a huge mess. This album to me is can be considered to be the bridge between quote-unquote old Tyler and quote unquote new Tyler, as it's primarily at least the way I listen to it, Tyler experimenting with how with sounds that he wanted to flesh out more. I mean, off Rip we got Death Camp, which is dominated by a loud, over, complete, insanely overmixed electric guitar instrumental, dominated to the point where it just completely overpowers Tyler throughout the whole song. And honestly, this production-heavy trend is everywhere on this album. We're just like, all the production is just so... One of the biggest complaints on this album is that it was poorly mixed. <laughs> and yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. It's like all the instrumentals just completely overpower, you know, the the vocals in basically every song on here. And again, like, this trend is everywhere on this album. With both the instrumentals and the effects that he puts on his own voice. Pilot, for example, reminds me of like a highly of the highly distorted sound that you'd find on like for example Kanye's On Sight. Although the be- the very beautiful Cindy Bennett Sidney Bennett sure Sydney Bennett just put some French sauce on that <laughs> uh, Bennett feature at the end of the song reminds me way more of what would be found on Flower Boy, which again I'll get to. Speaking of Kanye, his verse on the song Smuckers is fantastic. And honestly, it makes me miss, you know, Ye, it helps me, it, it makes me miss the time when Ye actually cared about his rapping. It makes me miss that a lot. It's funny because the first time I heard this song, I didn't like it at all. This, the song Smuckers. And I mean, like, that was the first one I went to because obviously Kanye was a feature and I was still, you know, Kanye, big guy, big Kanye guy over here. Um, So yeah, the first time I went and listened to it, I was, I just didn't like it. At all. And now that I'm listening to it again with a better understanding, I was like, yo, this shit is hard. <laughs> this shit's super good. It's one of the better songs on here. In full, honestly. But yeah. Wayne's verse on here, it's because it's Kanye and Wayne on this song. Wayne's verse is also pretty damn good, despite being pretty short. And just kind of like... Yeah, despite being pretty short. But other than that, the song is all over the place, sonically. Like I, That might have been the main reason why I didn't like it. It didn't follow like a very familiar song structure to me. It's very... I guess, uh, choppy in the way that it's organized, but, you know, that's just, that's just the sound of the album, so I gotta roll with it now. Other, oh, excuse me, ooh, again, that goes through the whole album as a whole. The songs are either, it's so weird to listen to this album, or it's so weird the way that this album is organized, and again, one of the, it lends to the reason why I call this album a bridge, it's because you either most of the songs either you either get these beautifully produced melodic pieces of art like find your wings and two-seater or these incredibly overproduced <laughs> purposely purposely i hope purposely messy statement pieces like run and cherry bomb cherry bomb is a goddamn mess by the way <laughs> oh my god uh if you don't like Jesus, you will not like this song whatsoever i'm i'm even just kind of like iffy on it that's that's at this point and in some situations a song is split into both of these sounds. Which are almost fighting for the spotlight. Like, Blood... Like, blood, like Blow My Load and Pilot. Which, I mean... Um, which, you know... Isn't the worst thing in the world. And, it you know, it's, he's not the first person to do something like this. But... Just the way that they sound anyway. It just makes the, some songs sound like a mess. And sound like he didn't know... He wasn't set on what he wanted these songs to sound like. So, I mean you know, it's, sometimes it's cool, like I said, Pilot is kind of cool, Blow My Load is kind of cool, some of the other examples aren't, which is why I didn't really, really want to name them out loud, but, you know, songs like The Brown Stains of Darkies, Latifah Part 6 through 12, the remix, also that is, that song title is way too damn long, <laughs> they're almost like bipolar in a way, switching between what I would, what what could be a fucking banger of a hip hop song, which is how it starts, and like this schizophrenic electronic mess, which is kind of what it leads into in parts. Personally, I think that this album gets a lot of hate for the way it sounds, which I can understand to a degree. I can I can pretty easily see why a lot of people don't like when I can see you know that people don't like when you know sounds or songs sound messy purposely or not. But I mean, you know, Jesus my Jesus fa- is my favorite you know album ever so i kind of like that sound so you know i kind of think that you know it's overhated for like the the weird mixing and the weird instrumental choices and the weird structure and all that but you know again i only like that when it's done right which i think this album does you know right and well for the most part there are obviously examples where it falters using that kind of song structure but you know that's why it's not my favorite tyler project (laughs) And again, I saw people complaining about how shitty the mix is at times, which is 100% fair. Although, again, as if I'm going to keep calling this the bridge between his old music and his new music, it makes more sense that he put a lot more emphasis on the instrumentals, since they would eventually prove to be probably the most critical part of his songs moving forward, especially in his latest album. And don't get it twisted, there are some great songs in here, but after experiencing the music that this album would eventually lead to this album absolutely pales in comparison. Also, before I leave this album, I do also want to mention going back to the instrumentals and the heavy emphasis on, him. he did actually release an instrumental version of the album. So there's the normal version and then there's the part. And then he also released the album that is just the instrumentals for all the songs. So um, again, you know, it lends the narrative that he's really focused on, you know, X and Y. And one of those is the production. All right. Leaving Cherry Bomb, we get into Flower Boy, which is easily my favorite Tyler the Creator project. I remember coming off the sonic mess that was Cherry Bomb, or at least, and I'm talking about way back when, you know, Flower Boy was first released. I remember seeing it pop up on iTunes or I think maybe it was Apple Music at that point already. I guess it was popping up on Apple Music and being like, oh, it's a new Tyler the Creator project. Let me, you know, let me check it out. Let me check it out. And keeping in mind that the last time I heard Tyler Creator really in album format was Cherry Bomb. So I didn't, my expectations weren't super high. And my, you know, my idea of what it would sound like was kind of in the air. But <laughs> I immediately knew that I was in for a, completely different Tyler, for a completely different Tyler album almost as soon as the album started. As you can guess from the title, which was actually, if you didn't know, originally... Called Scumfuck Flowerboy. When he was doing promo, he called it Scumfuck Flowerboy. But when uh, when it was orig- originally when it was officially released, it just went by Flowerboy for really obvious reasons. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm not necessarily gonna be uh, uh, uh <laughs> an album that's called Scumfuck Flowerboy is not necessarily gonna sell sell pop off the shelf for the vast majority of listeners. But whatever. But using the official title flower boy this album sounds pretty as hell so pretty accurate in title even the intro song called forward tyler's coarse rapping voice is over this quaint beep bop i call it beep bop because that's just beep bop beep that's just kind of the i just call it beep i don't know what else to call it but that's just what it that's just the phrase that popped in my head when i hear it that's just that's just the instrumental that he raps over and it's also assisted with some light driving synths in it. If Cherry Bomb was the taste, like the taste test for the melodies, like if it was just like the sample for the melodies, this album is the fir- is the full first chorus. They're, I mean, they're everywhere. <laughs> melodies are damn near everywhere. Even the majority of the features are melodic, excluding obviously the ASAP Rock and the Lil Wayne features. But even the Lil Wayne feature is pretty slow, and it's delivered over excuse me over an instrumental that's filled with nothing but flighty piano keys you know like quiet horns and the occasional synth run here and there and that's just kind of how this album goes in general even you know even with tyler's deep harsh voice which again if you are not familiar with tyler's music his voice is deep as hell and it sounds kind of scary at times which you know can work for or against the music that's trying to make but i think he he does a pretty good job with it regardless but yeah, even with Tyler's deep, harsh voice, the smooth instrumentals on the songs help create this, like, really cool juxtaposition that really lends to the quality of the album. Because, I mean, like, you hear, like, Tyler's, like, you hear, like, this pretty-ass beat come on, this pretty-ass instrumental come on, and then it's just Tyler and his deep, you know, <laughs> his deeper balls-to-the-floor octave voice, you know, rapping at you. It just sounds cool. It sound, It's it's kind of like expectation subversion in a, little, in, a in a way but you know it just leads it just lends to a way more interesting listening experience to me personally. Pothole featuring Jane Smith is a great example of this. To me it makes it makes it really easy and calming to kind of listen to this album in its entirety. As the style of, as excuse me, as the style of the album doesn't really change too much like it does on uh Cherry Bomb for example, which is again a fucking mess of a, of a of a full album that being said tyler here is you know even with like this very calm pretty melodic style that's found throughout the, the whole album tyler's still spitting here and there <laughs> like he's still rapping rapping here and there who that boy featuring asap rocky starts off with the soft like creeping synth and eventually turns into this like bass heavy banger where you know both he and rocky just just go they're almost trading bars at one point it's it's fantastic i believe that song was released as a single i might be wrong on that i think it was that and then 911 mr lonely mr lonely but you know it's those two songs back to back as singles are you know craziness speaking of tyler rapping over some bass heavy bass heavy synths i ain't got time features one of my favorite verses on the on the whole album which is the second verse where he just absolutely just pops off snaps whatever you want to whatever whatever lingo you guys want to use he goes in on on this song which is cool because it's like you know no matter where no matter where his music ends up going he will still give his old fans you know some they'll he'll throw them a bone he'll be like yo i heard y'all i know y'all like like me rapping so let me just let me just you know bust your head open with these bars real quick every once in a while he does it very rarely at this point but it's still there and it's there well done well on the other hand all of my favorite songs in the album are the ones that you know follow the central melodic sound that i talked about where the song or songs like where this Flower blooms see you again featuring caliuchis my queen (laughs) caliuchis was also on two before i actually i don't want to leave caliuchis at on Cherry Bomb, she was on there twice, which I completely forgot about, and again, I kind of completely, mi- I almost missed that, I was just like, looking at the tracklist thing, while I was listening to it a few days ago, and I was like, holy shit, that's Kaliuchi's on here, I could barely fucking hear her, because she's just drowned in just these random ass <laughs> sounds, man, <laughs> but you know, Kaliuchi's amazing, Tyler, the creator, put me on the Kaliuchi's, and I will be forever in, depth, in debt for him doing that, but yeah, 9-11, Mr. Lonely, and November are also spectacular songs that, in my opinion, play to Tyler's strengths as a producer, a writer, and a rapper. They're all very well-made songs. They all have different different sounds, while so still syncing to the two similar styles. They're all great. Most of the songs on this album are great. It's worth noting that this album has completely gotten rid of the offensive tone, <laughs> tone that was sprinkled all over his earlier works. To me, this could be attributed to two things: the social landscape, or the first one being the social landscape that he was operating in at this time, and by that I mean like the PC culture that was kind of creeping up, and you know, getting a lot of, I guess, attention in 2017. So like you know, he he definitely, you you're not you're not gonna get away with using the the F word and um and the F word. I mean the the the, the homophobic slur, F word, um, you're not going to get away with, I'm not going to say that word, <laughs> you're not going to get, you're not really going to get away with that in 2017, and he noticed that, I, I have to believe that he noticed that, so I think that attributes to it, as well as he no longer, I, to me, he no longer thought that he needed this, the quote-unquote shock value that he used for Wolf and Goblin to guard him more attention, because I mean, at this point, you know, he's already known, like, he's he's a big name now, he's in in, in the rap world, he's a household name. To an extent, so he doesn't need the shock value to get more people. He just needs to make good music, and to me, Fireboy is great music. This album isn't immaculate, but this, or I think that this is the sound that I think Tyler really dominates and could and could continue to dominate. I'll talk about it as I reach the end, as or after I talk about Igor. But I really don't know where he's gonna go with his sound. You know, you know, I would be happy with him going back to this to the sound of this album. After Igor or on this next release, but I mean, you know, he's he's an evolving artist and he's only seems to be getting better. So, you know, this sound I think is great. This like more melodic, you know, um, this more melodic sound from Tyler. This more this very heavy product. This focus on the very heavy focus on production and you know music production as a whole, including mixing. I think that he is very good at that. He's very talented at it, and I mean it definitely. Sh- and I think other people. Notice that too concerning this got him, I think his first Grammy nomination, I believe got his first Grammy nom- nomination for rap album of the year. I forgot who it lost to. It lost to some, you know, some. It lost to someone pretty good. I remember way, on, I don't wanna. Whenever I mention Grammys, I just want to make sure I'm not talking out my ass because I always kind of forget that sometimes the Grammys suck. <laughs> Uh, but I just want to make sure I'm not just talking to my ass when I talk about if he got snubbed or not at the Grammys. But yeah, this 2017. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, I guess it was the 2018 Grammys that he was. Um, that he was nominated for, but whatever, I'm just, I'm not going to bother with it, he lost to something, I, f- I don't know if he lost to something good in 20, 20- in, at that point, but whatever, it is what it is, <laughs> Oof. Um, okay, so moving off of Flower Boy and into Igor, which is his most recent release, came out in 2019, this, if, <laughs> if Flower Boy was the first course of Melodies, this right here is the main course, actually the synths might be the main course uh let's let's just say that it's like it's like at Olive Garden when they do that promo where you get to buy an entree and you got to take a separate entree home it's like that oh yeah by the way um he lost the he lost the damn that year at the Grammys which I mean you know he was up against some some killers there but anyway back to this this is like this album is like again that Olive Garden deal because you know you get, it's hard to, it's hard to pick where he put the focus on for Igor, or it's weird to, where he put his main focus on, because it's very equally on his, you know, his advancement as a melodic, you know, I'll say rapper, as a melodic artist, as a melodic writer, and then also has a very heavy focus on the goddamn synths, because the synths are fucking anywhere, this is, this album is just pure, pure, pure synth porn, (laughs) really if you like synths you're gonna love this album because they are everywhere and they are used perfectly this is easily tyler's most personal album as the entire project is formatted to depict his experience with falling in love with someone at this point i mean if you're gonna give if you're gonna give in to tyler lore um this love interest is a man in this scenario which again is not a topic that is talked about nearly enough in the rap world and you know it should be talked about when appropriate obviously but, you know, that also plays into the lore, the story of this of the album, so it's worth mentioning. Following this central theme, most songs are very innocent and soft, not necessarily deep in content, but very heavy in feeling, or definitely heavy in emotion, which, you know, you don't, you kind of, if you're going to make a great song, in my opinion, you kind of have to pick one or two, or you have to be really good at both of them, both of them being having you know incredible writing or incredible environment or instrumental like to me a great song a a perfect song has two of them has both of them being great a great song has one of them being really good and one of them being acceptable obviously but you know a lot of songs aren't insanely deep in terms of the lyrics or complex in terms of the lyrics but the instrumentals just you know they just get you to that place it's it's fantastic and for the most part, these songs are pretty heavily carried by the instrumentals, which, like I said, honestly isn't a bad thing because the instrumentals are damn near immaculate on this album. Like, they're, I like, I would venture that he spent 80% of the time, 80 to 90, I'm using the same 80 to 90, I would venture to say probably 90% of the time he spent just tinkering with the actual instrumentals. I wouldn't even venture to say probably 95% of the time he spent on this album just tinkering with the instrumentals. They're that well produced and that well placed. Again, this album is the definition of synth porn, but they're not just there to be there. It's not just synth just, for the, just because synths sound cool, if you do them right. They're not just there for the sake of it. They actually serve a purpose in each and every song. Each instrumental is so insanely well-made to give the listener a mood or a feeling in order to have them truly understand the emotion that Tyler was trying to kind of replicate through the through the individual song. On Earthquake and... earthquake excuse me and I think for example the synths are light and soaring almost flighty at times to demonstrate the feeling of initially falling in love with a new person you know like when you first fall in love with that that special someone (laughs) your heart gets all fluttery you feel happy you feel like you're you feel lighter and that's where (laughs) and that's the tone that he used in the synths and the instrumentals when I'm as I continue to talk about the sound, when I, I'm going to keep saying synths, I really mean the synths and the rest of the instrumental, but, you know, the synths are predominantly, (laughs) are the predominant sound in instrumental, so that's what I mean, so every time I say synth, just assume that I'm referring to the entire instrumental. Going back to it, like, it's, again, on the two, I picked these two songs, Earthquake and I think, because they're very good examples of, you know, like, the synths the are just dancing, it, it's what it sounds like, it sound it's so perfectly encapul- encapul- encapsulates, Jesus Christ, I can't talk, <laughs> encompasses, that's a bad word, it's so, <laughs> it's so greatly encompasses the feeling of falling in love, that it's, it makes the songs damn near perfect, honestly, and just fits into the whole narrative itself. New Magic Wand, on the other hand, has a more deeper, more aggressive synth, again, synth and instrumental, and a higher tempo, which, you know, at this, and it makes sense in terms of the song, because at this point in the quote-unquote relationship, he's essentially hating on the girl that (laughs) that his love interest is currently with talking about you know if she got into a car crash they could finally be together just some mess of shit so i guess you know i guess the dark content isn't gone completely but it's there somewhere yeah in the song what's good which is i i think it's my i'm pretty sure it's my favorite song off here (laughs) i say pretty sure because you know I, i i'm between a few of them but i'm pretty sure it's my favorite song off here again it's called what's good there's some friction you know in terms of the story of the album, there's some friction in the relationship, and the synths again, along with the rest of the instrumental, reflect this by very, by being very deep, very frantic, you know, and just you know, hitting with the, I say, hitting with the force of a bass drum next to you. Like they, this, this song is in your face, and which is why I like it so much. In a similar way to New Magic Wand, but definitely a lot heavier and a lot more, like I said, frantic. And it, you know, it even gets more frantic and aggressive in the second half of the song. As a project, it's really hard to even call this a hip-hop album because Tyler only raps on, like, two and a half of the 12 songs. I say two and a half because um, one of the songs is split half and half and one of them is, you know, more melodic and the other one's more um, rapping. But, you know, two and a half out of 12 songs are rap songs. Again, the other songs are mainly him singing. It's, you know, it it was... this This... Again, this album was, it won in 2019, I guess 2019, or 2020. It won the Grammy for Best Urban Contemporary Album, if if I'm correct on the naming of that. Which, Tyler had, you know, if you want to, if you're actually interested in how Tyler feels about the Grammys, which he feels very strongly about them, not necessarily in the most positive light, but go, go look up his interview about him winning his Grammy. I think it's a really cool interview, and it... Definitely uh, says a lot about how the Grammys operate, if you're more into that. I might talk about the Grammys at some point, but definitely go check that out. But anyway, back to the album itself. While I do think that this is objectively his best work, based on it being his most concise, his most well-produced, his most interesting, and his most emotionally potent album in his catalog, to me, some of the songs kind of lost some of their appeal to me somewhat quickly. I mean, it's only been a year since it came out. But in that time, you know, some of the some of the songs, not a lot of them, and they didn't—they're they're all so good to me. But some of them just kind of lost their appeal, not like on un, completely unlike Flyboy, where most of the most, if not all, the songs still hold their appeal to me. That being said, though, songs like Igor's theme, Earthquake, Running Out of Time, New Magic Wand, A Boy's a Gun, What's Good, and Are We Still Friends still hold their own to me after a year. And so, those are some—some some of those songs are some of the best songs I've ever heard. Are We Still Friends is amazing. Igor's Theme, which is a perfect intro to me, it's not, it's, he doesn't even, like, sing on it, I think it, he doesn't even sing, I forget who has the vocals on there, I think it's, is it, Uzi, I'm not gonna look it up, but I think that's a perfect intro, it's just, it's just synth, it's just synth porn, (laughs) that's all that, that's all that intro is, and it's amazing, but some of them, I think, you know, the songs that I just noted there, I think, are objectively great songs, and... You know they they have hold they've held their own they've been timeless to me since then. It's also I also kind of want to note that a couple episodes ago I talked about uh, Asterworld uh, by Travis Scott and I mentioned that I love the idea of hiding features. I love the idea of not having features in the track listing. I think it's perfect because it surprises you every single time. And that's exactly what he did on this album. It's it's funny because a lot of the uh, a lot of the features are in uh, and a lot of the features and his voice too as well are heavily 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 pitched differently like they're heavily pitched pitched high pitched low it took I didn't even listen I didn't even hear as I was listening to it, the night that I was listening to it, I didn't even hear the Kanye West feature, because it's pitched so, his voice is pitched so oddly, and this is the guy that I listen to damn near every day, I should be able to figure, I should be able to hear his voice, but, you know, again, it lent, it, it was cool to hear just, like, a different artist pop on there, I mean, like, the other notable one was, I mean, Callie, is on here somewhere, I can't remember where she was, but, um, The Playboy Cardi feature was fun to hear. Playboy Cardi, when his baby voice was still nice to listen to, but you know, I think I think again, this is a good example of how hiding features in an album can work towards how the quality of the album if it's done well. But yeah, my favorite part of doing this analysis was this analysis of Tyler of Tyler's albums was definitely hearing the little hints of production of tyler's or in tyler's earlier catalog that was almost always the music that he wanted to make like you can hear it it's, again this is all i'm kind of listening to this in the ears of hindsight where it's like i'm now assuming that igor is the music that he always wanted to make and you can hear you can hear subtle hints of that in his works as easy, as early as goblin and i'm sure if i went back and listened to bastard more and more critically i can even hear him back then too they're still there. The melodies are there every once in a while the The instrumentals are there once in a while. The tone is there every once in a while. but eventually it just got to this point to me- Ky- Tyler's catalog has shown the most amount of artistic growth out of any artist I've listened to in a way. I look forward to his new music releases like I do to Kanye's, where I don't really know how it's gonna sound until I listen to it, and that's kind of where the you know <laughs> that's where the comparison stops <laughs> in that aspect. That being said, I think that he's going to stay mute, I I, I think and I hope that he's going to continue to make music like this in the future, since again, I don't think, uh, and by like this, I mean like Igor in the future, because again, I think this was the sound that he was trying to achieve since since his start in the music industry, you can even hear it, like I said, all the way back to Goblin, and you know, I'm sure winning his first Grammy off of this sound doesn't hurt either. But yeah, that is it for my Tyler analysis, and with that capping off, I will leave you guys with the Thursday music that I'm looking forward to. And it's funny, as I was, you know, finishing up my script this morning, I was looking back to see what music is going to be released, what albums are going to be re- released this weekend, and I didn't really see anything at all. I feel like I've said that three times, I feel like I've said that three weeks in a row now. And then I've gotten music that I've loved. But it's funny because this week, as I was, you know, typing the script up this morning, I didn't see anything. And then as the day went on, more people, you know, said that they are going to release stuff. There's a Riga Nasty song, which I actually heard already because she released it early, which is interesting to say the least. I will talk more about that. I will definitely talk about that song later or on Monday's podcast. There's also a, is it, oh God, is it Anderson Pack and rick ross i think i think that's the i think that's the two they're releasing a song tonight interested to see what the hell that shit sounds like and then finally drake t's new music dropping tonight i am assuming it's just a single it makes i would assume it's just a single it could damn well just be a whole album i wouldn't actually be mad at that either he did say originally that his album was going to be released in the summer. And I mean, you know, he only has a few weeks left of summer if he's if I'm taking him at his word. So, <laughs> you know, take that as you will. I'm j- Again, I'm just assuming that this is a, is a single. And again, I will be <laughs> the first to tell you guys if that single is ass on Monday. Excuse me. But until then, I've been Nick Hope. This has been the Bittersweet Tates podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. And I will see you guys on Monday.